Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Dayton, Ohio, it's time for Dayton Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Dayton Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today, I have with me uh, David Ramey, and he is with Strategic Leadership Associates. Welcome, Dave. Welcome. How are you doing? I am doing great. Before we get too far into things, tell us about your work with strategic leadership. How are you serving folks? Well, um, the consulting firm, Strategic Leadership Associates, I founded uh, in 1987. So that is, uh, what, 33 years ago. So we started our 34th year. Uh, We were established to uh, help uh, businesses and organizations uh, develop their long-term strategy. So we concentrate on the strategy development issues and then the leadership and the resource capacity to support that. In those uh, 33 years, we have worked with um, businesses, I think, in every economic sector throughout the United States. I think I've been in all but two states of the country. Uh, we've worked with uh, government agencies, some large institutions, like the U.S. Air Force and NASA, the Space Agency. Uh, We uh, have helped to create organizations, merge organizations. And um, I think our, you know, our core strength is uh, helping leaders and their organizations and their workforce to uh, anticipate uh, trends and issues in the future and to respond to them in a way that promotes their growth. Now, how does an organization know it has a leadership problem and they got to uh, contact you and your team? Well, they, the first uh, contact is usually around a problem they're, they're trying to solve. So we always try to keep that in mind. You know, every strategy is trying to solve a problem. Like uh, we can't grow anymore. We had 10 years of growth and now we're stagnant or we can't... Uh, keep the high talent of people that we need to keep uh, to be successful, or we don't know how to get into the marketplaces that we think we'd be successful in the future. So we try to start uh, always with uh, the presenting question or the presenting issue uh, the organization is trying to address. And I think we're pretty good at helping them see that usually that's one part of a much bigger strategy um, and uh, also the leadership capacity to get there. So it sounds like you start kind of from a strategic uh, point of view, but then leadership is a tool that you use to kind of help them uh, fulfill their strategy? Yeah. So actually, we think of the, the, the strategy, uh, let's call it the preferred future. You know, that, that's the starting point, right? What's your preferred future? And then we think of strategy as one tool and leadership as a second tool. And the third tool we think of is the engagement of your stakeholders. So that could be your workforce, your customers. In the case of a school district, that could be your parents and your teachers and your students. Uh, In the case of a local government, that could be your citizens. So we always look at that uh, three-part solution set of uh, leadership strategy and engagement and usually design a what we call kind of intervention or a 
we'll call it a plan, you know, so it's less threatening. Uh, we design a plan to uh, work with them over time to get there. Uh, what we're a little bit uh, unique in, and most of our projects are not, uh, you know, we're not uh, in and out the door turnstile consultants. You know, we are really with an organization a minimum of 90 days, uh, sometimes as much as two years. Now, is it something that um, they have to kind of go all in on or can they start with a, an assessment or a small project yeah, just yeah. to um, kind yeah. of see if we, it's a good fit? Yeah, yeah, we always break uh, what we do into tasks. We call them tasks or uh, phases. And uh, we always give them the option to choose to go to the next phase or not. Uh, you, you know, usually they do, but sometimes they'll say, hey, you know, we uh, – we're, we're mentally tired or we want to see if that's going to work or we want to conserve our financial resources. So we may go back at a later point in time to pick up on the following tasks. Uh, but you're right also in indicating that that first task is always some kind of an assessment. And then what kind of assessment do you use? Um, any of kind of the name brand ones or did you develop your own? Yeah, we usually kind of customize the assessment process. Uh, we look at um, a number of factors. Uh, we, we look at what we call the key performance indicators. So we try to work with an organization or let's say, let's say a small business and capture some um, performance data over time, right? So that could be um, something as simple if it's a small business as revenue over expenses or uh, one that we like to look at is what we call cumulative annual growth rate. So uh, how uh, inflation aside and price increases aside, uh, how much are you actually really growing organically? So we try to pull together some metrics, performance metrics from their past that will help them get a picture. So that's one picture. Uh, the second picture we like to look at is uh, what their employees and customers say about them. So we like to capture that data through some type of uh, survey or focus group or um, uh, key, uh, we call them key uh, informant interviews. Uh, that help us uh, get a picture of what others might say about the organization. Uh, and then the, the last piece is um, uh, usually we talk to the leadership or assess the leadership on some standardized tools um, to help determine that. So we kind of try to take a, uh, to borrow a phrase, a holistic approach to that assessment um, to give them a, kind of a 360 look at where they're, where, where are they really starting from? Now, um, if we can hold that in one place and then look at those three legs to the stool that you mentioned earlier, yeah. um, it sounds like you're kind of dealing with the corporate culture of the organization. How important is culture when it comes to achieving these strategic goals and um, kind of creating or helping nurture yeah. leaders? Well, you know, the famous uh, quote is uh, strategy, uh, excuse me, culture will eat strategies lunch every day. <laughs> so um, culture, the organization culture is very important. Uh, but while it's very important, it's also a very amorphous thing. I mean, it's very difficult to have the objectivity 
to sit down and say, this is our culture. And then even more difficult to say, this is how we want to change our culture, right? So if we have a, a complacent culture, it's very um, history bound. You know, sometimes we'll go into an organization and um, uh, we worked with a major oil company. I probably would mention the, na the name on air years ago. And, uh, you know, when we did those uh, initial interviews, it was uh, uh, my granddaddy worked for this company, my great granddaddy worked for this company, you know, and, and so the company had a reluctance to change because the, they actually had influenced uh, that part of the country and people's uh, history of working there. Um, so culture is hard to get at. You got to break it into pieces uh, that people can uh, get a hold of. Uh, you know, uh, things like performance standards for individuals or setting annual customer targets. Uh, one of the things that we think uh, almost every organization we work with uh, does struggle with is we try to get them to um, identify no more than 10 key performance indicators, we call them KPIs, that actually drive the business. And, you know, when you sit down to do that and say, okay, what really does drive the business? You know, is it really sales or is it, is it something else? You know, is it, uh, is it the number of uh, new, new customers we get every year, right? Uh, et cetera. Uh, so, the uh, culture is one of those things that if you're being mindful and strategic about it, it doesn't, it's forming whether you're, trying to help it and nudge it along or not right yeah like there's going to be a culture one way or another you might as well have some input on what it's going to look like at the end of the day if it's your company yeah. and as much and as much as you can um uh work to uh maybe bring that culture along to where you want it to be that, that's always the challenge for like a privately held business is to move that culture along <clears throat> you know major corporations they change the culture by changing the leadership team um, so, uh, they, you know, they replace talent, give them golden parachutes, move people along, but you know, if it's a small family run business, it's pretty hard to, to change that culture, even if you know, you have to. Right? Now, do you ever come into a circumstance where the leadership is telling you, this is the culture and then you're, then you do your assessment and you're like, that's not the culture at all. Like it's yeah. the opposite of that. Yeah, about uh, 60% of the time, probably. Really? Almost two-thirds of the time, uh, the, the leaders aren't aware of the culture? Yeah, well, think of it this way, right? So if somebody said uh, to me, Dave, what's your personality and how would you like to change it, right? I'm probably not going to be overly eager to identify and disclose all those pieces that um, – I don't want exposed. And then on top of that to say, oh, and by the way, I've got to change those, right? So so very often the, the uh, feedback that we get from customers and employees is a very significant game changer in uh, getting an organization to change their culture and adapt their strategy. Because usually people hear things uh, that they were not aware of perhaps, or didn't realize how, how strongly employees felt. Uh, and that's a, that can be a pretty dramatic factor.
So now how do you kind of um, once, because obviously they hired you to bubble this up and then yeah. you present it to them. And then now they have the choice whether to act on it or not. If they choose to act on it, um, what are some steps that you can do to help them kind of ease into this culture or to help make some changes in the culture? Well, we actually take them through a, a process that's the, we call it the second phase, right? So let's say the assessment is the first phase, right? In the first phase, we look at those three dimensions, the stakeholder engagement, what's your current strategy, what's your leadership system and your predisposition, right? The second stage, we actually help you build the strategy you want for the future. So what we say is, okay, let's set all of that aside that we just learned and let's talk about, uh, let's paint a picture of where you wanna be five years from now. So we actually help them construct a very detailed picture of what they wanna look like in five years. You know, their sales, their workforce, their uh, approach to market, their product mix. Um, you know, we, we kind of take that, uh, it's almost like model building. You know, when I was a kid, I used to love to build model cars and model airplanes, you know? So we say, you know, let's take company X here that's where you are and let's go out five years from now and let's 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 create the picture in detail of what you want this to look like right so that this isn't just some vague uh, image or um, picture that uh, they can't imagine you know we put uh, you know target numbers um, strategies uh, customer groups product types, you know, we put kind of all that into that model. Uh, we talk about the vision of the company. Uh, we talk about what the structure is going to be. Um, so we really create a kind of a then and now picture, right? The, the now picture is the assessment. The then picture is the strategy in the second phase. So now if you do your job well and they have a culture and they have leadership in place that are thriving and growing and empowering their constituents, it helps them, I would imagine, deal with crises that like we're having now. It helps them right. kind of manage the change that's happening, you know, right. whether they want the change or not. Right. So can you talk about how kind of uh, applying some of your principles help them through tough times like we're going through now? Well, so I'm going to use, uh, you know, rather than talk about a client that might identify, so I'm going to talk about our business here, right? So uh, four years ago um, or more, four to five years ago, I thought that we were too lopsided into, you know, episodic consulting projects, right? Now, again, those episodes could be 90 days in length, or they could be a year in length or two years in length, but we were we were living and dying on the number of consulting projects we could deliver. And I thought, you know, this, you know, in tough times or a couple of key people get sick, you know, we're going to, we could be in trouble. I had no idea about a COVID virus or anything like that, obviously. Right. Um, so what we did is we said, you know, we're going to create another side of the house for small organizations who maybe don't think they can afford us day to day, but we're going to come up with a way to cut the market rate to provide them with uh, financial management, literally manage their finances, 
do their bookkeeping, their accounting, their CFO functions, and their HR functions, so their workforce and their money. Um, and we're going to do it in such a way that they commit to us a, a minimum of a year at a time, and these become ongoing contracts. In other words, we become part of their team. And we struggle to try to get to a, a discounted rate that would make that competitive, right? So the competitive advantage we were after was, what if we can give you a talented team of people in HR and finance that you ordinarily couldn't afford, but you didn't need them five days a week anyway. You only needed them eight hours a week, 12 hours a week, 14 hours a week. And we figured out a business model to get them to serve or support two or three other organizations so that we kept our team busy, but we could offer that to you at a competitive and discounted rate. And uh, we did come up with what we call the shared service model now. And um, anyway, the long and short of it to directly answer your question. So here we are five years later, when I think the uh, COVID would have probably put our traditional consulting business out of business and our shared services basically saved the company. So here, here we are, uh, we anticipated that, you know, we were too lopsided in the way we got our revenue. Uh, we needed something more sustainable, more recurring revenue, uh, more, maybe more retail, you might say. And um, um, that worked for us and uh, we're gonna end the year uh, end 2020, probably where we were uh, 2019. You know, we're not going to make a fortune, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna still be here going forward. Now, in your work, you mentioned a variety of different groups and organizations and industries. Do you have a favorite or a sweet spot that you work particularly well with? You know, we we like doing the I call them the public projects. You know, things that make the world a better place. Uh, school districts. Um, uh, churches, um, local governments, uh, fire departments, police departments, um, you know, the kind of entities that really make for a stable society. Um, the other thing that we find about working with those institutions is they tend to copy one another in a good way. In other words, they they, they don't necessarily see one another as competitors because they have jurisdictions that are geographic. So they have more of a tendency to look down the street and say, hey, what's that police department down there doing on the street around community policing, you know, to pick a current topic? And uh, maybe we should, um, you know, get with that chief and see what he's doing. So you have a, a chance to have a little bit of a domino effect um, that way as well. I also... We, I personally love working with small business owners because, you know, I, I think we do not appreciate in this country how much uh, effort it takes to run a business, probably always, but certainly anymore. The pressures on a small individual business owner to uh, be successful are enormous. You know, they got to be marketing geniuses. They got to know technology. They have to worry about security, uh, you know, and oh yeah, they have to sell their product too, you know. So it's a it's a tough world out there, and I think uh, as a society, you know, sixty percent of the workforce in the United States 
works for those kind of people. And, um, you know, we don't realize how, how powerful they are. Plus, in times like this, you know, that's where you see the loyalty come to the fore, right? In a, this virus type situation, you know, those small business owners, they're sacrificing their wages first uh, and paying their employees or they're, they're waiting till they absolutely have to furlough people. You know, whereas the larger corporations, they, they tend to just be a little more distant uh, and uh, maybe more objective about those things, too. Now, if somebody wants to learn more and have a more substantive conversation about you and your team and your firm, uh, what's the website? Uh, www.strategicleadership.com. Good stuff, David. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Okay, great. Thanks for your time, Lee. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on Dayton Business Radio. 